Hello and welcome to Media MD, the podcast where each fortnight we prescribe each other a piece of media that we have somehow missed. I am Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And this week we're in the middle of our uh, we're in the middle of our wet hot American summer watch. Um, and while we're off watching that, we decided we'd bring you an episode about Harry Potter fan fiction. <laughs> Look, I'm just going to come out and say it. Um, yeah, so uh, this is a episode of our you may also enjoy. I forgot what it was called for a second there. You may also enjoy a series where we bring uh, media that is similar to stuff that we've recommended in the past. So if you enjoyed uh, Worm, in this case, you may also enjoy Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. Okay, I was wondering. I was wondering if Worm was the the loose tangent segue here. Look, it's it's not that loose of a tangent, and I'll tell you why. They're both really long web serials. <laughs> no, uh, the the connections between Worm and I'm just going to call it HP More, which is the abbreviation. Um, so, isn't there that like website called Potter More? Isn't that isn't that going to get confusing? <sighs> All right, I'm just going to call it HP, and I know that stands for Harry Potter. No, that's even worse. To de- you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, the the connections between this and Worm run deeper than them just being long web serials. Um, they're both quite similar. And in fact, I think one of the reasons that I got into Worm was I kept seeing on discussion threads about HP Moore, I kept seeing people say, if you like this, you probably will also like Worm. And that's basically what this whole episode is, except in reverse. <laughs> um, so let me, let me summarize it for you. Harry Potter and the Mef... God, it's a mouthful. Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality is a fan fiction about Harry Potter, but instead of being a wizard, like, whatever, raised by two kind of shitty people with a kind of shitty son, he's raised by two scientists, and they instill in him this level of curiosity that means that when he does get his owl inviting him to Hogwarts, he basically tries to... Um, scientifically determine exactly how all the magic in the universe works, essentially. And so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of, of of comedy based around this idea of Harry trying to apply or f- determine the strict rules that govern magic, which is something that doesn't really have a lot of strict rules in the Harry Potter universe. But he yeah. is able to find out a lot of things by experimenting around it. Um, and I, the reason that it's quite similar to Worm is it has this kind of uh, fantastical world that has these hyper-realistic rules and uh, stories applied to it, essentially. Okay. Um, yeah, so the 10-second pitch for this is basically, what if Harry Potter, instead of just going along with it, was like, wait, what? How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it leads to a lot of interesting situations. Uh, so it's not... I mean, this whole story takes place over the first year at... Hogwarts over Harry's first year and in that whole first year he um, becomes very close friends with Hermione with his you know his two best friends Hermione and Draco and he performs a very close personal relationship with his mentor Professor Quirrell Um, and it's kind of it's interesting because the characters are for the most part exactly as they would be in Harry Potter there are some exceptions like Professor Quirrell is a bit weird he's got a bit of this two-faced thing going on where one side of him is this sniveling professor krill and the other side of him is this very confident voldemort side essentially um okay but yeah it, it it's it's this very interesting story and it has a lot of 
heart, I feel like, and it has a lot of funny things and it has a lot of references to very modern things like uh God, it's got references to like weird anime and like you know, very <laughs> modern things. Um which of um, course it does because it's a fan fiction, but it's yeah, great. Exactly. It's good fun. Oh, I mean if you're gonna write fan fiction you may as well go with it. Yeah. Um so does it it, it's one of the things that comes up because this is what always bothered me when I um, watch the Harry Potter movies is mm. like I get that they're doing all these classes on magic, but they're never doing any like maths or English or other languages or history <laughs> or anything. I think I think maybe at one time one of them discussed the history of magic, and I mean I'm willing to buy that that it included a more a, a very thorough sort of geopolitical history of the world but yeah as for the rest of it yeah so that is addressed sort of um because i mean it's addressed in the sense that harry finds it very strange that there aren't a lot of these things there's basically the only thing that is changed or in the the kind of ideal world of the pitch i mean some of the characters are act a little differently to how they would act but in the ideal the kind of ideal of this story is the only thing that's changed is Harry and he, the way he interacts with the other characters and with magic. Um, so Hogwarts is essentially the same. Uh, Dumbledore is, you know, he's fucking Dumbledore and he's he's crazy and Harry butts heads with him a lot. It's not like a, a mentor-mentee relationship anymore because Harry doesn't really appreciate the way Dumbledore acts around things. He's very like, oh, love will solve all your problems and Harry's like, no, <laughs> fuck off. Okay. Um, but yes, so... But, but so mean, it's like all the sorts of things that happen in the first book slash movie will more or less happen except with that... No. ...differentiating mm. factor of Harry. No, not really because, um, I mean, like all the things like, you know... All the all the things that happened before Harry's eleventh birthday or whatever happen the same. Um, but once he goes to Hogwarts, he interacts with the school in a completely different way. So uh, he doesn't he doesn't play Quidditch. Obviously, he's not into sports. <laughs> he's he's, a, he's more of a bookworm in this version. Um, and it's not like I would say almost none of the actions or none of the actual events from the first movie, especially, play out in the same way at all. Um, in fact, none of them happen at all to begin with, I think. There's no, like, investigating the forbidden third floor corridor or whatever it is that happens in the first book. Uh, what, but what about... Because, like, it's been a while since I read or, or watched the the Philosopher's Stone. Mm. But, like, because Quirrell's obviously working for Voldemort and yep. he's trying to break in there and stuff. So is he yep. not still trying to do that? Or... Uh, or now is look, that just like a it's been about like, a year and a half since I read the story, and I've been rereading it, okay. um, <laughs> but I'm not finished yet. I think he still is, though. I think he still is. Okay, because he he really like isn't there a troll at some point? Because yeah, he... that doesn't happen. That doesn't okay. happen. But it, it, I mean, it's understandable that that doesn't happen because the point at which the stories diverge is, you know, two months before Harry goes to Hogwarts or whatever. Um, okay. And so this plot of Krill distracting people with a troll to, um, to you know, get a chance to, to steal the Philosopher's Stone or whatever, it doesn't play out that way because Professor Krill's plan, at least from what I understand it, and we're going to get into some spoilers here, so if you want to read this, which you should, don't listen anymore for now. <laughs> um, his plan is essentially to get Harry in and turn him into a dark wizard because Harry is a lot more logical and 
with that comes kind of being more cold and calculating. Um, <laughs> so they want to convert him to the dark side. Yeah, essentially. Um, yeah. And and Dumbledore kind of sees the uh, the Harry's uh, pragmatism as him already kind of on this path to the dark side. There's this great conversation with Dumbledore and Harry where Dumbledore admits to Harry that he doesn't want to live forever, right? Mm. And Harry's like, that's insane. Of course you should want to live forever. You either want to live forever or you want to die. Like, which is it? And Dumbledore's like, no, I feel like I've had my time on this earth and I feel like one day I'm going to die and that's okay. And Harry's like, no, that's insane. Like, <laughs> we should be working to further the the lifespan of all human beings and, like, live in health and prosperity forever. And, like, Dumbledore's, no, I want to when it's my time. And so it's this very, like, a lot of the, like... Uh, the more cliched tropey stuff that that exists in the original Harry Potter series is directly in conflict with Harry as is the magic um it's not just him like trying to break through the magic it's him trying to break through all the kind of cliches that existed in Harry Potter essentially yeah well i mean it sounds like an an inter- like it does sound like an interesting take on Harry Potter like mm. the universe like i yeah that's that's sort of a I, I like the idea. It's a cool idea to sort of come at it from a, that very different angle. Yeah, and it, it leads to a lot of funny moments and leads to a lot of dramatic moments. Um, and so Harry's in Slytherin, right? In this, like, I'm no, just he's assuming... in Ra- he's in Ravenclaw. Oh he's yeah, yeah. That's the because that's the nerd that's one. That's the right? smart people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so <laughs> one of the uh, one of the things that happens is a lot of people kind of get sorted into the houses that they should be in so harry and hermione both go into ravenclaw obviously and there's a line in the book yeah. that says hermione went into ravenclaw obviously if that didn't happen it would be insane <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, uh neville goes into hufflepuff and and there's a lot of things like that but um well, it's like, it's like corrections to to the in-universe logic essentially yeah because <laughs> Because Slytherin's just like the the all the bitches, mm. like Ravenclaw was all the smart people, and then mm. Gryffindor was brave people. Yeah, so and the, then Hufflepuff the kind of, was everyone else. The key <laughs> that's rough for Hufflepuff. I mean, it's pretty accurate. the The key kind of distinguishes are Gryffindor is loyalty. Hufflepuff, is, uh, sorry, Gryffindor is bravery yeah. and courage. Hufflepuff is loyalty, Ravenclaw is smarts, and Slytherin is ambition, essentially. Yeah, okay. That's um, and so Harry is kind of halfway between Slytherin and Ravenclaw, and he, he forms a kind of close attachment to Draco Malfoy and to Hermione, who are Slytherin and Ravenclaw, respectively. Um, yeah, and, and there's things like... There's this scene where um, the first time Harry goes into a potions class... Uh, everyone's warning him that, like, he... Because by this time, he has a reputation for getting into trouble, essentially. Sure. And everyone's warning him, like, just keep your head down in Snape's class, essentially. And so he goes in, and Snape starts, like, bullying him, as he would. And Harry's, like, freaking out, because this is, like, textbook child abuse. It's abusive behavior by a teacher. <laughs> and so he freaks out. And so he, like, he like has this huge confrontation where he stands up to Snape and, like like, flips the fuck out and... He gets called into Dumbledore's office and he has this huge go at Dumbledore because Dumbledore thinks like, oh, our potions teacher who teaches in the basement has to be a bit evil. So he's kind of been letting this child abuse go. And it's this, it's this weird like <laughs> confrontation with like, of course, yes, none of this stuff makes any sense. Why is Snape an abusive potions teacher? Why is, why is Krill kind of slightly evil even though he's the defense against the dark arts teacher? Um, 
it's very strange and it, it brings to light a lot of criticisms that I now I didn't realize I had when I was first you know watching the movies or reading the books when I was younger or whatever but now that I'm seeing it spelled out so plainly it's like oh oh yeah fuck why is that like that <laughs> um yeah well yeah i think harry potter's sort of one of those things where like the more you think about it the more issues you have with it yeah like i, I there was one book where they brought in like a truth serum yeah and and then and then later on they have like interrogations with people and they're not using the truth serum that makes no sense. yep yep that comes up <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these things come up essentially um and it's not just like there are because the rules in Harry Potter aren't clearly defined. The author, whose name I can't remember, it's like Eliza something something. He's like Czech or something. Um, the author like obviously makes up a lot of how the rules work, but tries to keep it as consistent as possible, sure. essentially. Um, and he also comes up with other things that don't exist in the you know original Harry Potter. So um, one example is. Uh, a thing called Comed Tea, which is a glass of, like, green, vibrant neon green tea. And when you drink it, it's like a can of tea. When you drink it, by the time you get to the bottom of the can, you're guaranteed to have a surprising event that makes you spurt out the tea all over yourself, and then it kind of disappears <laughs> over a few seconds, right? So this that is something that's like very... Something, it sounds like something that would be in Harry Potter. Exactly. And this is one of the first kind of magical things that Harry comes up against and tries to figure out how it works. And his essential... His final realization. Actually, I won't spoil the realization because it is it is important to the story a little bit. But um, that's just an example of something that is made up by the author that isn't inside the rules of Harry Potter, but kind of fits within the world. You know? Yeah, sure. Um, and I think that's one of the strengths of of Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality is it's very much a, a story that's set in the world of Harry Potter, but has a lot more scrutiny applied to it, essentially. Okay, but. It's still fan fiction. It is fan fiction. <laughs> it is fan fiction, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, the, th- the reason I like this, this story is because when you have a story like original Harry Potter yeah. and the rules are nonsense, it's just kind of like any, any conflict that the characters get into, you know, is going to be solved anyway, right? Well, yeah, there's always some easy deus ex machina they can pull out because magic. Right. But in that situation, I mean, that happens in a lot of things, obviously. Like, that happens in all media. Essentially, the good guys always win at the end, right? But that means the only interesting thing about that is how do they succeed, right? Yeah. But when the how they succeed is uninteresting because it's undefined, to me at least, that makes the story uninteresting and that's one of the reasons i like worm is because it's got clear outlines of what is and isn't possible in this universe and you know the the characters use their wits to solve their situation using problems that are given to you as the reader as well as to the characters and i think that's why harry potter and the methods of rationality works is because it's not it applies rules and harry always works within the rules to solve his problems and that's kind of that's why it's interesting to me I think. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. So it's fan fiction, yes. And it's long, yes. It's not as long as Worm, thank fuck, but it's pretty <laughs> long. Um, I've been reading it over the past few days to prep for this episode, and I think I'm about a third of the way through, and I've put about four or five hours in, maybe. So it's, it's, it's you know, okay. it's a solid investment, but it's, I'd say it's probably about two Harry Potter books worth, or maybe three. Okay. 
and but it tells still, this whole story it, of it's still just hmm? that first year because each of the Harry it, Potter books was a year. Yeah, it is the first year, but in that year, Harry fights Voldemort and, and all that stuff. Okay, like the story is accelerated a lot to fit in within the year because Harry kind of knows that his destiny is to fight Voldemort, and so that's always a thing in the back of his mind: is oh shit, I actually have to fight Voldemort at some point, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely recommend reading it. Well, you read you read the first chapter, right? What did you think? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it was all right. I liked. Um. There was like a a thing right at the start. You know, like like I remember when you got me to read Worm. Worm has something at the start saying like, you know, I'm not gonna do trigger warnings for specific things. This whole story mm. is full of potential triggers. So if you're after mm. trigger warnings, just don't read this. <laughs> Which is so um, great. Yeah, Worm, and, and especially this, <laughs> this one had um. A warning saying like it's generally accepted that this story hits its stride in chapter five if you don't like it by about chapter 10 just stop reading mm-hmm. and i thought that that was so funny to see that like because I, I i find myself saying the same thing about like so many other shows like when i recommend mm-hmm. the expanse i'm like oh you gotta wait till to get to about episode episode four three or, or four yeah or a- agents of shield is is um is know, episode you, 17 you, you gotta just just <laughs> you skip really to gotta episode invest. 17 um uh, but you know you you'd never actually in those situations you'd never actually hear like like joss or jed whedon get up and and be like oh no the first 17 episodes of agents of shield are crap um, <laughs> yeah yeah and i guess it's because there's more commerciality around these things like yeah. with a fan fiction it's just a guy who wrote it you know so yeah so i found that yeah i found that endearing that like yeah. just he would put on his own story that like you know it takes a while to warm up but um no i read the first i mean five chapters isn't that long Elliot. it's like an hour oh if that yeah um yeah based on the length of the first chapter but no yeah i thought it was it was all right like that all that sort of stuff you were saying about how he had the scientific method just sort of drilled into him. Um, came through. I felt it came through a bit in the writing as well. The writing felt very factual, mm. but I guess it was from Harry's yeah. perspective. So it kind of made sense that um, this version of Harry would be very much just analysing the world <laughs> in a scientific way. I like that you're giving the author an out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but it made it a bit difficult to read at the start. Mm. Um, but I mean, yeah, like... I don't know. Yeah, I was curious. Like, I by the end of the chapter, I was like, yeah, like I could read more of this. Like it, the the concept, like you said, the, just the concept of a scientifically inclined Harry Potter um, mm. trying to figure out what the deal is with magic um, mm. was an interesting enough premise. Yeah. So if you if you are listening and you if you are listening, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Because if you're hearing this, you're obviously listening. But if you liked Worm, if you listened to our Worm episode and you read Worm and you liked it, or if you thought you might like it, which is everybody, everyone should read Worm, um, <laughs> then, yeah, I definitely recommend giving giving Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality a read. It's free, and you can just read it for an hour, and if you don't like it, just stop reading it, and the author will be like, yeah, that's fine. So <laughs> you've really got nothing to lose. <laughs> but read Worm. First, well, yeah, no. Okay, if you haven't read Worm, <laughs> read Worm first, and then come back and read Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. While you're waiting for Worm 2, which is starting soon? Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, so so go out and read <laughs> Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. Um, or if you're looking for something else to do, you can watch Wet Hot American Summer, the movie. 
or the TV shows, uh, and we'll be talking about them. So, if you uh, wanna if you wanna leave your comments for Wet Hot American Summer as you're watching along with us, you can do that on our subreddit, which is reddit.com/r/mediamd. Otherwise, we'll catch you in a week when we're talking about Wet Hot American Summer. See you then. See ya then. Wouldn't wanna be ya then. Why, 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 why